Um, thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm uh, Dr. Walker from the CDC, and uh, I want to welcome you to Health and Safety for Medical Missionaries. Okay. I'm going to talk this afternoon about CDC's Travelers Health Branch and our mission, and then the risk for illness and injury abroad, and share some resources that you can use for your own trips, and if you're seeing patients who are traveling, um, they're applicable to all audiences. Um, and then some collaboration for sending agencies and missionaries who do international travel and where we can go forward using this information and how we can learn from you to give you the resources that you need. So what's the mission of CDC and the Traveler's Health Branch? Our mission is to collaborate, to create expertise, information, and tools that people and communities need to protect their health through health promotion, prevention of disease, injury, disability, and preparedness for new health threats. The branch mandate is to protect the health of U.S. residents before, during, and after traveling or living overseas. So our work every day is to protect everyone who goes abroad for any reason. And, and what are our activities? What do we do? Our activities include establishing travel health recommendations, communicating guidance to clinicians and the general public. And we do this using the CDC Traveler's website, publications such as the Yellow Book, which I think you've all received, um, and responding to public inquiries, public outreach, and clinician education. I've shown an image of the Traveler's Health homepage here. Um, and it's usually ranked in the top five for CDC websites in use. And our primary audience includes the traveling public and public health professionals, and those professionals that advise travelers. Content areas include travel notices and announcements, the online yellow book, regional destination-specific pages, um, and we also have other resources such as the Yellow Fever Registry, a list of U.S. travel medicine clinics, and a contact us link for public uh, inquiries. Additional topics uh, provides information on diseases from A to Z. You can look up anything that you're curious about. Um, traveling with pets, traveling with children, traveling with special needs travelers, um, and also links for the travel industry. The website's our primary method of communication, um, and we make continual improvements based on consumer feedback and online evaluation. So if you ever have recommendations or things that you need that you can't find, you can always email us, and we'll try to make it available. The website was redesigned in 2007 and went from 17 regional destination pages to 245 destination-specific pages. And new technologies were also added, including GovDelivery, RSS feeds, print and email options so that you can keep your information with you when you're offline, um, podcasts, and other additional evaluation web pages uh, so that we can track our progress and see what people need and what they're using. Um, and before we get to exploring the website, I'd like to talk a little bit about travel notices. And these notices will give you important health information in real time. Here's an example of a current notice. And you can see that the information is about your situation of interest and then gives advice for travelers. And they usually contain more information about disease risk and in-depth information relevant to healthcare providers. Um, and then give links to resources for more information. So the, uh, the notice that I have up here is our current Zika notice. And these are, of course, updated in real time, and you can access them from any 
um, internet smartphone. Okay. As I mentioned previously, the Traveler's Health website contains health and safety information for 245 destination-specific uh, locations, including and not limited recommendations and required vaccines, uh, anti-malarial recommend recommendations, safe food and water practices, uh, and also other destination-specific health advice. The information on our website is also available in our Yellow Book. Um, we've been publishing Yellow Book for close to 50 years. Uh, and it began as a pamphlet and is currently published in the book form, which you guys have in your bags, uh, for every two years. And it can be purchased on Amazon or the full text is available in print or online. And you can print out the online versions for uh, patients. In addition to providing general health information, we also provide specific guidance for particular health events. Uh, the pamphlet up here is an example of a collaboration with the Ugandan Ministry of Health, the Ugandan Wildlife Authority, and the Ugandan Tourist Board after a Dutch and American tourist traveled to the uh, Python Cave in Queen Elizabeth National Park in Uganda and were diagnosed with the Marburg virus. So a very specific event, but a health risk to people who travel there. These posters are examples of outreach for travel health during the 2010 H1N1 pandemic. And you may also recognize the print ads uh, developed during the H1N1 pandemic. And they ran in print media and as posters at TSA checkpoints. We work very closely with the airport so that all travelers are aware as they depart the country. Um, in addition to communication work, we offer a variety of free continuing education courses and um, trainings on topics like malaria, um, the epidemiology of vaccine-preventable diseases, and a bunch of others, if you're interested. One of the courses developed by our surveillance and epidemiology team is the Yellow Fever course. Um, and it not only gives background on the disease, but also provides vaccination information for providers. And this course is used by the World Health Organization to certify their Yellow Fever vaccination sites. Uh, the surveillance and epidemiology team in CDC's Traveler's Health Branch targets at-risk populations, including immigrants, those vi visiting friends and relatives, student travelers, and missionaries on short and long-term travel. Uh, missionaries and aid workers make up 24% of our travelers, according to our geosentinel surveillance system. Um, and like all travelers, they'll be at risk during, their, during and after their travel, including major concerns such as vector-borne diseases like Zika, dengue, malaria, and chikungunya an injury during travel. Uh, Road-related road injuries don't get much press, but are a really important risk to be mindful of in all countries. Our team also works on a variety of research projects, including revising the yellow fever map to make it clear for clinicians and travelers, and creating a database to record travel to yellow fever related, uh, and yellow fever-related events. We also work closely with the rabies group, and as you might know, the availability of rabies vaccine and rig is highly variable. Um, and we've looked into access to these biologics worldwide to make it easier for you guys to get that information. We continue to work on outbreak investigations as well, recently focusing on Zika um, and also dengue and chikungunya and returning travelers. So why are missionaries at risk for illness and injury? As you're well aware, missionaries are vulnerable to uh, illness and injury while serving overseas for several reasons. First, they may not seek pre-travel consultations with clinicians. Uh, further, many missionaries rely on mission organizations to provide uh, 
free travel health information or may not be concerned or aware of the travel issues in the locations they're traveling to. Um, also, because mission travel is often self-funded, we recognize that the cost for pre-travel preparation can be prohibitive, and some U.S. insurance companies don't travel that visit or the medications and vaccinations recommended. Um, also, missionaries may travel to remote locations in areas different from, with different risk profiles than their home countries. And often these locations have increased risk for infectious disease, decreased public health infrastructure, um, the decreased sanitation infrastructure, and risks associated with transportation, like lack of seatbelts, lack of road signs. Um, and missionary work in these locations can also be very physically demanding, which uh, may not be something that people realize as they're preparing for travel. Third, some mission trips are weeks in length, but many missionaries travel for months or years at a time. Um, and longer duration of travel may increase exposure to illness and injury abroad. Other trips may be emergency travel in response to a particular situation, and there may not be time for all of the appropriate preparation steps. Um, missionary travel can be unique for many reasons. And uh, when travelers go to the same location more than once, they can become comfortable with their destination. And when people are comfortable with their destination, everyone decreases their level of vigilance. I know I do. Um, and although some may be first-time travelers to regions, oftentimes you return to the same regions over and over again and feel very comfortable when you're there. Um, you also have a range of travelers. And for first-time travelers, they're high risk for illness related to travel. Um, and experienced travelers may be at risk due to what they view as unnecessary preparation because they've been so many times. Uh, and there's a lot of conflicting guidance readily available from different agencies. Like I said before, the CDC's mission is to protect the health of U.S. citizens before, during, and after travel. General guidance found elsewhere may have other goals. So it would never conflict, but you have to look at the target audience for the website or the information that you're reading. Um, and last but not least, pre-travel preparation varies depending on the sending agency. This is where we'd love to collaborate and standardize uh, pre-travel preparation to ensure that you're safe and healthy while you're traveling. Um, so everyone has a role and a responsibility in a safe and healthy travel system. And sometimes those familiar with medicine are more cavalier about taking care of themselves. Um, it can be important for a missionary organizer to advise travel risks and encourage pre-travel care. And a clinician's role is to provide thorough and detailed guidance tailored to that individual uh, and to their chronic and current health needs and their upcoming travel. And the traveler, in this case a medical missionary, should prepare, seek guidance, and take responsibility for their own health and well-being before, during, and after travel. So how can medical missionaries prepare for international travel? And how can medical personnel prepare missionaries? We know both groups are in the audience today, and um, I'll be more general so that we can uh, try to speak to all scenarios. So the first step in travel preparation is to do research. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you'll find conflicting information from different sources, but it's always good to be informed and to think about the purpose and intended audience of whatever recommendation you're looking at. There are two key websites to visit before you travel or to advise your travelers to visit before they travel. 
Um, one is the Global Shroud EpiNet Heading Home Healthy website, um, where you can check for CDC-recommended pre-travel vaccine and prophylaxis information. And I'll walk you through this website in a few minutes. Um, It'll give you current health issues at your destination and other resources. And the website gives information appropriately targeted towards both clinicians and to the general public. And the second is the U.S. Department of State Smart Traveler Enrollment Program, where we encourage you and your travelers to register before you travel um, using either the website or a smartphone app. And this will give you safety information and make the United States aware of where you are, what country you're in, should anything happen in your location. Um, and what we stress to travelers, but especially missionaries, is to research your destination before your mission. Um, the registration and websites we've been talking about will help you with this task, but then the next step is to see a travel medicine specialist four to six weeks before your departure date um, and discuss your specific itinerary and your travel plans, your including your departure date. Um, the reason for the timeline is to ensure completion of any vaccine series that might be recommended. Um, and despite medical backgrounds, it's always important to review current medical conditions or medications prior to traveling. Uh, it's essential to remember that these can't be general visits, um, and any current health issues, long-term medications, or risks at a specific destination should be discussed among any other topics. Uh, a good pre-travel clinical visit will cover any routine or travel-related vaccines, as well as discuss uh, venous thromboembolisms, asthma, traveler's diarrhea, malaria, dengue, other vector-borne zoonotic diseases, including Zika, um, motor vehicle accidents, psychological stress, heat and sun, and injury and assault. So before your mission, it's important to fill out travel, to fill all travel-related prescriptions like malaria medications and self-treatment antibiotics for traveler's diarrhea. Um, we advise counting pills, especially uh, for malaria medications when you're, before you leave the pharmacy because there's a tendency for insurers to limit the number of pills that they prescribe for a 30-day period, and this is something that people should be aware of before they walk out the pharmacy doors. Um, you may also want to consider travel medical insurance um, another thing to do is treat your clothes with permethrin um, and use bed nets to reduce insect bites while you're traveling. Um, compiling a traveler's health kit before your mission is always a good idea. Um, the kit should include prescriptions and over-the-counter medications, basic first aid items, uh, insect repellent, sunscreen, alcohol-based hand sanitizers. And it's also important to have contact cards for your health care provider both at home and abroad, as well as medical insurance card at hand while traveling. Uh, during missions, we advise that you wash your hands often, stay hydrated uh, with bottled water, wash it, peel it, cook it, or forget it. Um, make sure that food is fully cooked and served hot, and look for steam when, you, uh, when you're served, and also avoiding ice in any drinks. During your mission, we'd like you to remember to wear sunscreen and use insect repellent. Uh, applying insect repellent more than once a day is uh, a must, and uh, mosquitoes don't only bite at night. They bite all day long, depending on the type of mosquito and the diseases they carry. Um, and it's hard to remember to do these things every day. I know that I forget, um, but they're really important actions that can have a great impact on your health and your success during and after your trip.
Um, after your mission, travelers should seek medical care immediately if they develop a fever. We found in Traveler's Health that often the traveler may not share information about previous trips with their clinician when they go to visit, um, especially if, as you get further from your return date, people won't mention where they've been. Uh, and clinicians may find it helpful to ask about these things uh, when seeing patients. Um, there should also be provider follow-up if the traveler was ill or injured during their trip. And if you travel to a Zika-affected area, CDC recommends that you wear effective mosquito repellent for three weeks upon return to the United States um, and that you use condoms for six months or the duration of pregnancy if your partner is pregnant. Um, after the mission, it's necessary that travelers complete malaria medication regimens as prescribed, discard unused antibiotics appropriately, and seek care and support for mental health issues if needed. When we talk about discarding antibiotics appropriately, it doesn't mean giving them away while you're abroad or putting them back in your medicine cabinet when you get home to take on your next trip. Um, what we suggest is uh, these potentially dangerous medications should be mixed with either kitty litter or dirt in a Ziploc bag uh, before putting them in the trash. And these are FDA rec uh, recommendations for discarding uh, drugs. Um, so how can CDC help the missionary community? We're really interested to hear your thoughts. Um, we don't know how best to reach medical missionaries. We do this and other things, but if you have any recommendations, we'd love to hear them. Um, we'd like to enhance our surveillance to meet the unique health needs of missionaries and define who's seeking medical care and whether health events are being reported during and after travel. Um, so these are some important links, and I can hold this up if you want to take some pictures, but I'm also going to go to the Heading Home Healthy website now and walk through... Uh, some lay traveler and clinician-specific guidance, um, how you can put in specific information about yourself and your trip or your patient and, your, and their trip um, to get CDC recommendations in a clear and easy manner. Okay. So let me... Oh, sure. Well, I'll take you to that website right now so you guys can see it. Um, this is actually new since last year. We didn't talk through this last year. Um, but we'll start with the Heading Home Healthy website, um, which you can find through headinghomehealthy.org or through the CDC website. And we have a couple of videos that I'd like to share that you can use with your patients or with others. Um, this is... We have two, um, and both are basic travel health recommendations. I 
not always do this. The very last year I got sick. Being away, my body was not used to the foods at home. At home, the mosquitoes. Instead of having a time to remember, I got really sick. So now, before I travel, I visit heavyhomehealthy.org. All I need to do is type in my age and where I will travel. Then right away, it gives me advice on my trip and questions to ask when I visit my healthcare provider. It's so easy. And now, when I take a trip overseas, I'm able to enjoy every moment. Find this one with English subtitles. Oh, it'll be in English. That's okay. If you like me and look forward to visiting loved ones overseas, then before each trip, you probably make a list of all the things you want to do, like celebrating with the family, reconnecting with old friends, and visiting favorite places. But in order for me to do anything on that list during my trip, I must do everything on my health and travel checklist. Before each trip, I always visit my health care provider. I take all the medicines he prescribes with me, especially malaria pills if I need them. I wash my hands frequently, especially before meals, and eat only fully cooked food that is served piping hot. I drink only beverages that are bottled and sealed. Forget the ice. You never know what water it's made from. To avoid mosquitoes, I use insect repellent with an approved ingredient like DEET. I wear long-sleeved shirts, pants, and shoes that cover my feet. And at night, I use a mosquito net. I stay away from overcrowded buses. In cars, I always wear a seatbelt. And on bicycles or motorbikes, I always wear a helmet. Because if I forget to do any of these things, I might not get to have those great times. Learn more about staying healthy by visiting our website. Right. Okay. So those are a couple of uh, videos that are up. They're on the Heading Home Healthy website, and they're on YouTube, and they're free for your use and easy really easy, under a minute, um, and can speak to a lot of patients that don't have clinical backgrounds to give you an easy checklist for things that you should be thinking about before you travel. Um, now, for clinicians, we realize that these are things that you've heard before and you know in the back of your head, um, but when you travel, you might need some more specific clinical advice. And for that, we have the PrEP tool, which is the website that I showed you guys before. And I'll give you, okay, so what we ask uh, is that you put a little information about yourself in, the type of provider you are, type of practice you are based in, and your zip code. Um, and you can use this tool uh, abroad if you're caring for patients as well, and it'll just ask for your country where you're located. So we ask for a couple of key pieces of information about the traveler. Um, how old they are. Let's go with 25-year-old female and then where they're traveling to. And you can add multiple countries. So let's say American Samoa. Um, and then the reason for travel, uh, humanitarian or healthcare worker. And then any allergies or conditions. Um, and under these we go for everything from egg allergies, heart conditions, to pregnant or planning pregnancy or breastfeeding. 
So we're going to go with planning pregnancy in the next three months and view recommendations. So this is going to give uh, the clinician an easy checklist customized to your particular traveler. Um, so this is a 25-year-old female who's traveling to American Samoa um, and reported planning pregnancy. So it gives you routine vaccination uh, advice, and it says travelers planning pregnancy in the next three months. We advise women to delay pregnancy for four weeks after receiving a live virus vaccine. Uh, we would recommend hepatitis A, typhoid fever, influenza, and it'll give you the warnings for influenza based on the conditions you chose. So because this, uh, this woman is planning pregnancy, it gives you the live virus warning. Um, and for any of these vaccines, you can then click more, and it will expand and give you links to the CDC webpages for um, the specific vaccines, dosage, and administration. Um, also talk about preventing insect-borne illnesses, dengue, chikungunya, and Zika, and links to uh, protection against mosquitoes. So here you get the CDC recommendation that women who are pregnant in any trimester postpone travel to anywhere Zika transmission is ongoing, including American Samoa. Um, and then links to dengue maps, chikungunya, and the Zika websites for CDC. Um, foodborne illness section, always important to remind people. Um, and other important information for this traveler, uh, this includes road travel, medical insurance, animal avoidance, and then a, a warning for humanitarian aid or healthcare workers, uh, especially those going to areas of disaster or conflict, um, and things to be sure to bring, uh, precautions to take. So this uh, website will, is available in nine languages. Um, and you can print out this checklist, or you can print out the pages on food and water safety, on traveler's diarrhea, on avoidance of bug bites, whatever is most important for your traveler and their itinerary, or yourself and your own itinerary. We also have a similar checklist available for the lay traveler. And this is something that you can advise your travelers to look at at home before they come into your office if you're seeing uh, international travelers. And it gives you the same information, but in uh, lay language, and it literally is a checklist. So let's say you're 18 years old and you are from Georgia. And your destination country, again, is American Samoa. Less information and we'll output a checklist for your traveler that they can print out and bring in. Um, and this is all based on CDC guidance and is updated in real time. So as soon as we know something is happening someplace, this will update and it will uh, be provided to the clinician and to the traveler. So I think that is all I have today. Um, I can show you some more fun videos if you'd like, but uh, I'd like to open it up to discussion because again, uh, any advice that you have, things or resources that you look for that you don't find, um, we'd love to know about them so that we can tailor things to meet your needs. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I've heard folks say that the European or British missionaries, they don't go and take a long prophylaxis for malaria, whereas the Americans will take it for, you know, a year, yep. two years, whatever. Mm -hmm. Thoughts, comments? So, uh, again, different uh, agencies have different recommendations. Um, and based on 
different thought processes. So European governments and the ECDC uh, have a dual malaria recommendation. Some look at uh, high and low risk areas. So in places that have malaria, CDC is always going to act out of an abundance of caution and say take prophylaxis. In the European system, in places where they get malaria cases returning, but they're not as high volume as in other locations, because for many reasons, um, they'll recommend taking uh, treatment with you. So if you're bitten or if you have malarial symptoms, you have emergency treatment on hand. We also recommend taking emergency treatment, but we continue to recommend prophylaxis because malaria is a deadly disease and you may be in a location where you can't access health care. So we'd rather you be safe than sorry. And that's what our recommendations are based on. So, yep. Do, uh, do the CDC travel notices trigger <laughs> State Department travel warnings? They are separate systems. Um, CDC travel notices are based on risk of disease and transmission. Uh, State Department travel warnings have a different set of criteria. So ours are only based on scientific evidence and risk to the traveling public. So they're separate systems. Uh, oftentimes, they're in parallel, but not always. Yeah. Um, I'm planning to go back to the that you could get a prescription from your public health department. I don't know that it would be a lower cost. Um, it's, it's an issue that we face multiple times. Uh, insurance likely does not cover travel-related medications or vaccinations. I'll let Joanna. <coughs> uh, this is actually one of the challenges we face, particularly with uh, first or second generation Americans maybe traveling back home mm -hmm. to countries that they tend to go for a longer period of time. We call them VFRs, the visiting friends and relatives, travelers, and in particular, we've noticed that their children tend to be um, at risk because they don't have any history of pre-existing immu immunity, and even for people that have lived in the States for a long time, there any immunity that they had is long gone, and so they may not believe that they're susceptible. Um, Dr. Walker mentioned earlier the need to really check closely uh, about the prescription and when, when you go to get that filled. Um, and we also recommend really speaking with your pharmacist and speaking with your travel medicine provider about alternatives. Malarone is one of the more expensive uh, anti-malarials out there, and there may be a cheaper option for another medication that you could take. And I know that there are some states uh, where I think Medicaid will actually cover for children mm -hmm. a certain amount of the prescription medication. And sometimes the pharmacist that you're working with may be able to talk to you about you know, ways to make sure that you have sufficient uh, pill coverage because 
unfortunately, um, travel medicine is not always called, covered by traditional health insurance packages. One good resource, if you want to find out the lowest cost, is goodrx.com. That one can give you both what's worth mm-hmm. available, lowest cost, and uh, he has his app. Yep. If you want to talk to him. <laughs> well, and I, I just want to reiterate what Joanna said about talking to your provider. Um, because they may be prescribing malarone due to resistance patterns, but oftentimes something like Doxy is going to be a lot less expensive. Is it? I I am behind the times. Oh. Okay. 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 And well, and this is one of the real areas where you know when you think about. Difficulties we've noticed with missionaries is it tends to be a yeah. lot lower budget for travel, mm-hmm. and this is something that has to be included in planning for how much it's going to cost for you to go on a mission. If you get sick during your mission with malaria, you are not going to be able to do what you're there to do. You know, and at that point, you you know other you need other people's help instead of being able to help the people around you. And you you know. Dr. Walker hinted at this, but there are species of malaria that can kill you within a matter of hours. Take your anti-malarials. But this is something that when you're planning your mission and and what it is you want to go and do, missionaries should be thinking about what are the additional costs because your traditional health insurance, again, may not cover this, but this is your life that we're talking about here. And And almost all travel is optional. Yeah. I mean, you know, it it is expensive. I mean, I've been to... I do a lot of travel recommendation, and some people say, you know, it's too expensive for me to get the vaccine or you get yellow fever series or it's too expensive to get the antimalarials. Well, then I say don't go. Don't, don't travel. If, if you can't afford it, don't do it. Any other questions? One thing you might do is, um, <coughs> and I'm not bashing the big boxes or the big big stores that have pharmacies, but we have a small uh, Christian-based pharmacy in our town, and he will sell us, that we get our typhoid vaccine through him at his cost for our people that go on our trips. Same thing, we'll buy a bottle of 100 melons. It's a lot cheaper. So he created... That's actually something we're working at CDC. It's on, it's on a different project, but we're working to try to understand access to medications and, and as we understand better how pharmacies, different pharmacies work, and also, too, looking at the pharmacist's knowledge about, um, you know, when, it, when, it, when they have a patient come in and say, I need to get this filled, and for whatever reason they can't, how does the pharmacist respond to that? Because that can help CDC make better recommendations for people to get medication that they need. So we are we are working on these issues, and it's good to see that there are people who are And check with these that people that are here, like Blessings <laughs> International um, does medicine. Who else? Kingsway? Math International. We Math. do medicine. Yeah, okay. So there's yeah. three or four here that, you know, could be a resource if you're doing, if you're actually going back as a missionary. Now, if you're going back to visit family, it's kind of a different matter. What's the, uh, speaking of Oaxaca, Mexico now, two years ago they were on the malarial side to say taking any malarial. Last year they weren't. Now what's, is this, is there a good Mexican source? Uh, What's the best information about it? 
so I so there at CUC we have subject matter experts that spend every day looking at uh, what data is available and the both presence of cases and vectors in different locations. Um, so I was not aware of the Oaxaca change, but um, our malaria branch will look at the most up-to-date data and make their subject matter expert opinion uh, recommendation on whether malaria remains a risk. There's been uh, increased warming, different changes in climate, changes in vegetation. So we are seeing a lot of changes in malaria recommendations and other vector-borne disease distribution in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. so. So we do recommend vaccination and universal precautions, but we know it happens. I don't know if Joanna has anything specific. Um, I think, so this, I think, no. maybe an instance where uh, registering with the State Department may, is really important. Um, we recommend registering your travel with the State Department and Safe Travel Enrollment Program for two reasons. Uh, one is the State Department there then knows that you are there in country, and that also if your family back in the States has an emergency, they can reach through the State Department uh, to get to you uh, when you're out. Um, but a state, the State Department can help you with that kind of an injury where you may be at need for um, HIV prophylaxis, essentially, and that kind of thing. Uh, they would be able to, they, they're going to have the best resources for yeah. you in country. And, and as a U.S. citizen, they're going to be probably yeah. the best people to contact with their doc that they have on staff um, and to help you get the immediate medical care that you need. And to have... Uh, Travel medical insurance is also important. I do know people who have uh, been in situations, road accidents, um, where they've needed HIV prophylaxis and medical evacuation, and having that insurance is life-saving. Yeah, even with the insurance, mm -hmm. you have to be prepared to pay out of pocket. Of course, yeah. And be reimbursed. Yeah. Don't show them an insurance card and yeah. to get it for free. Yeah. You mentioned about using permethrin spray for spraying mm -hmm. clothes. Yep. Where do you obtain that? You can get it at REI. It's on Amazon. Okay. Anywhere you want. Yep. That's safe for women who are pregnant. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at REI in the outdoor store. We'll have it. There's also a mm -hmm. soap that's even yep. more effective than the spray. Yes. Um, and we recommend using that on your clothing, but also wearing a hat that's been sprayed or soaked because that will keep mosquitoes away from your face and neck. Yep. Do you need to retreat <coughs> mosquito netting after a certain length of time, and what's the time? You do. I think six months. Um, it's it's going to depend yeah. on the actual packaging. Yeah. And, like, you should inspect your mosquito netting for holes and mm -hmm. tears and things like that mm -hmm. because you could have a brand new mosquito net, but if it has a giant hole in it, yep. it's not going to be very effective at keeping mosquitoes out. Mm -hmm. um, they should come with information. Like, when you buy the mosquito netting, it will have information on when it needs to be mm -hmm. retreated. And it also actually applies to anything you treat with permethrin. The thing that's great about permethrin is it lasts for multiple washes, which is great, and an extended period of time. But look at the instructions and the, and the manufacturer's label, and that will tell you specifically for a product how long it will last. Because, you know, mosquito nets tend to last fairly long, whereas uh, permethrin-treated clothing, I think, lasts around six weeks, typically, with, like, four washes. Or if you're sweating a lot, if you're very active, yeah. it's even shorter. Yeah. 
But it's still nice. I mean, yeah. you can, I, I, before I travel for work, I treat stuff with permethrin, and I can go into the field for a month, and I don't have to worry about reapplying it. So. Which is nice because travelers can do it and forget it. Yeah. And they don't, you know, it's not. <coughs> you have can't to find permethrin if they're out of it. Just go to the store and you can buy a red that you spray for spades and lice. Just make sure you loudly tell them when you're paying for it. I'm using this to spray my clothes because I'm traveling to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of that but it's the same thing as permethrin, 25%. If you look at it, okay. if you look at the bottle. It's, it's, and again, it's stuff used for lice. Yeah, if it says permethrin 0.5%, it's the same thing that you can get the yellow bottle from the car Yeah, you can, you can find permethrin at, you know, like Gander Mountain, your sporting mm -hmm. goods stores. They have it. I think even, I've seen it, I think, in like eight <coughs> hardware, even. Um, even Walmart. Yeah, Walmart yeah. has Walmart. it. Um, Amazon will get it to you pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's there. It's usually in like a hunting kind of camping mm -hmm. section of the store, but it's there. What's the recommended percent, like the lowest percentage you can get away with? Uh, for permethrin? Uh -huh. I'm not sure. The specific, uh, it's, and I think the products are standardized and it's based on whether it's a spray or something that you soak your clothing in. Um, but products that are sold here in the United States are going to be regulated by the FDA, so they'll meet whatever the standard uh, guidelines are for efficacy here in the U.S. Um, if you buy it, if you buy it somewhere else, uh, then it's not going to be regulated by the FDA, and, and it may or may not be effective. Um, so it's, your best bet is to just get it and take care of that here if you can. Um, we have specific recommendations for uh, in insect repellent itself. So, for example, we say typically 20 to 50 percent DEET uh, for, you know, like a bug spray that you wear every day. And I know that's for, for pregnant women, we say 20 percent, and yep. that's found to be safe. Um, so. Um, you were talking about, I think you were talking about registering with the state. We're going on a trip, and then some of these websites were talking about, you know, you put in where you're going. What if you're in the closed country? What does that change? What do you mean by closed country? It's the same. It's the same. Like you yeah. can Anyone have any areas that I haven't touched on or any topics you'd like to see? Any recommendations there are from countries that the, uh, the medical insurances aren't covering? Is there any other sites that will know of that, like if you're going to the Arabian Peninsula or someplace mm -hmm. in one of those places, anybody have any suggestions? questions. I'd like to thank everyone for your attention and great questions and great discussion. And, uh,